Hey everyone, welcome to Lessons with Mike, episode nine. I'm with a very special guest today, a world-renowned orthopedic surgeon. Uh, please welcome to the set, Dr. Amar. Hey, thank you for having me. My name is Amar Patel. He's not really a doctor, but you're pretty close, right? <laughs> I'm close. Um, Mike only had about a year left now in school. A year left. Wow, that's yeah. exciting. So what made you decide you wanted to be a doctor? Now, honestly, man, uh, just growing up, a lot of you know health issues going on in family and things like that, yeah. and it kind of just made me see you know, and appreciate what a doctor really is. Oh, yeah. um, they took care of my parents, you know, just showed great empathy and sympathy and just really genuinely cared, and yeah. I kind of saw that as a young kid. Um, and growing up, and it just kind of made me want to uh, do the same do thing the same for others. Thing and that's so important in a doctor. You have to have someone who's personable, Absolutely. who can talk to people, make people feel better. Yeah, A lot of doctors don't have that anymore. So For sure. You're yeah. a good fit for it, definitely. But I appreciate that, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you you have a lot of smart people out there. Yeah. Um, and doctors are incredibly smart. Oh, yeah. um, but it's very important to have that communication factor, yeah. um, being able to talk to your patients, making them feel comfortable, especially when they're coming to you in a, a very vulnerable state. Uh -huh. um, so if you have that kind of uh, care and passion, you can be a very good doctor. Exactly. It's like uh, my friend who's a police officer, he mm -hmm. said that anyone who sees a police officer is already not having a good day. <laughs> it's the same with the doctor. They're already not having they're a good already, day. Yeah, that's, that, so I you have to have that. empathy. You have to be able, like no one... Like, let's say someone is in a lot of pain. They don't want someone to just quick in and out. They want someone to spend time with them to show that they care. And unfortunately, because of how a lot of systems are, you only get a certain amount of time per patient. That's true. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it could be because of the system, the, the shortage of doctors yeah. um, and the overabundance of patients. Oh, yeah. I mean, it limits the time that you have. So in that time, you need to really, you know. You got to make, make an, an impact. Yeah, you have to make an impact. Because I feel, like, I feel like if you prescribe someone medication, if you're warm and like uh, comforting with them, they're more likely to take the medication, follow the treatment plan versus Absolutely. if you're just a cold, callous seeming person. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you got to have that trust. Um, and the only way you can gain that trust is through communication. Exactly. Um, and if you can get that trust, you can build that foundation with your patient. Uh, your relationship just gets that much better. Your patient will be more compliant. They'll be more willing to come back um, and they'll be more open with you. A lot of issues um, come with patients who aren't open. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about their issues, and those end up just, you know, getting put on the back burner, and it can lead to a bigger issue. Yeah, that's a big problem. I think specifically with males, uh, not being open about what's really the problem is. That's a lot true. of people, especially down here, there's a culture of, oh, we don't need the doctors. We'll just pray about it. That's true. Well, yeah. uh, the answer to your prayer is go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I know, you know, a lot of people, uh, they, you know, especially males, you're right. Kind of like I shake it off, you yeah. know, put some salt on the. But then the problem just gets worse. Like you could have a stubbed toenail. Oh, it's just an ingrown toenail. I just ignore it. But it turns out to be cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With colonoscopies too, a lot of people don't like them, but it's the most surefire way to check for colon cancer. Absolutely, yeah. They have this new thing. I don't know what it's called. I forgot what it's called. It's a, a colagard. That's oh, what yeah. it's called. Uh, you just do it at home. You send it in. It's a mail order kind of thing, um, and if it comes back positive, you have to get a colonoscopy anyway. But yeah. I mean, it kind of helps with those people who are uncomfortable getting yeah. a colonoscopy. But the thing is, is if it comes back positive, you got to go get a colonoscopy anyway. So might as well just you might as well just get one. Yeah, might as well just get one. I mean, I don't know if I trust myself to give myself a colonoscopy. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to the professionals. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, so I just met Amar about what was it, three, four weeks ago? Yeah, four weeks ago. Yeah, it's been actually. great working with you. Really, yeah. you're one of the nicest people that. I've met in you. a while. And 
I'm just really glad you're here. The podcast, it's doing great. We just passed 100 total listeners nice. last night. We have listeners in uh, two separate countries and seven different states, plus the District of Columbia. Wow. So the response I've been getting has been overwhelmingly positive. That's A lot great. of positive reviews. And I'm just so grateful that you're here. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Um, I feel like in the workplace, Yeah. Um, sometimes people come in and they are uncomfortable in yeah. a sense because they don't know anybody. And especially when you go on rotations months at a time yeah. or one month at a time. Um, eventually you come to a place you probably don't feel more comfortable in or you feel more comfortable. And I think you do a great job welcoming in all the students that yeah, work in this yeah. practice. Because, um, you know, they're, they're as nervous as probably course, the preceptors yeah. are. You know, they've probably been more nervous than the preceptors, yeah. to be honest with you. They don't know what to expect. They're just trying to get a good, fulfilling experience. And someone like you being in the practice, it can really make – uh, a student more comfortable That's when a student's comfortable they make less mistakes and then they see the patients better they see the yeah. patients better um the communication is better as we were talking about communication earlier so um, you do a good job com yeah. making the workplace a lot more com comforting i guess you yeah. could say uh, it, i know it starts from the bottom communication it absolutely. builds its way up you can't have someone at the top because then the people at the bottom, it has to start from the bottom. It has to. And then it go to the top. To. And that's with any change. Oh, yeah. Um, it starts at the bottom and eventually triples its way up. I guess you can say that. Yeah. Sometimes it is the opposite around, way around. The train starts at the top <laughs> the chickens are way down. But I mean. But I, for those of you who don't think you can make a difference, it really does start at the bottom, I think. It does. And sometimes, yeah, it starts at the top. But at the bottom, you can't have an impact. Yeah. Like, like we were just saying, just being comforting and nice and welcoming can help someone do their job better and then that can help them mm -hmm. help other people better so Amar, i wanted to ask you what's the uh out of all the rotations what's been your favorite your least favorite Ooh. talk about those for a minute oh wow oh yeah. put me on the spot yeah um i go with my favorite um even though i don't want to do surgery yeah. i want to say my most favorite rotation is probably trauma surgery right. did you see a lot of traumatic injuries yeah you yeah. see a lot of things man um it's eye-opening. It's wild. Um, you, the rush you feel is something yeah. you don't get in any other specialty. The thing is that I don't want a lifestyle of a surgeon. Oh, yeah. So I'm probably not going to go. Well, not, not probably. I'm not going yeah. into surgery. <laughs> um, but I spent a month on a trauma rotation um, in Rock Hill, South okay. Carolina, yeah. Piedmont Medical Center. It was a fantastic rotation. Long hours, yeah. Um, acute presentation. Did you have to be on call for that? Or? Yeah, we oh, had wow. to be on call. Actually, my preceptor one time called. This is a true story. Called me at two fifty-seven in the morning, three a.m. in the morning. Oh wow! Said, "Hey, we're going into emergency surgery. Someone had a, a perforated ulcer in their Ooh. stomach, and that was leaking gastric content into the abdomen. And so we had to go in there." And Fix it up three three o'clock in the morning, man. Gotta always be ready. Yeah, that's when I decided I didn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you like, need your sleep, bro. I need my sleep. That's if, what I said. If, I if Doctor Amar was on call that day, oh sucks, you're just gonna die. <laughs> I ain't waking up. <laughs> I would have lost my license and everything. But at least I would have got my eight hours of beauty sleep. That's what I call it, man. I call hey, it at least hey, going to court, going to the licensing hearing, you're gonna look well refreshed and well rested. <laughs> yeah, won't be yeah. on call. I'll be rested. Can try to defend myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sleep's important. You know, 
I feel mm-hmm. like uh, if this patient just waited uh, and held on to life a bit more, I could have gotten my <laughs> sleep and then been able to help them better. Yeah, yeah. Why the ulcer have to do all that? Like, yeah, I mean, well, I, it's not that big of a deal. No, I'm just kidding. It is. It's it it is. And I'm sure you did a great job. Yeah. It was did you actually great. perform the surgery? Um. So the cool thing about Piedmont Medical Center is there's there are no residents. Okay. Yeah. Usually, if you go to an academic center or any center with a medical center with residents. The resident is usually the first assist to the uh, attending. The cool thing about Piedmont Medical Center is there's no residents, and so you, as the student, actually get to be the first assist to the attending. So yeah, I was doing a lot of hands-on things, um, sutures, uh, doing laparoscopes, um, cutting things, stuff like that. See, I would be so scared. Like, which arteries? I don't know. (laughs) No, I was terrified. I was like, what if I cut? You can't show that. Got to be um, completely stone faced. You, you got to. You got to. You know. You got to walk in there with yeah. your. You know, shoulders high, head high. You know, and 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 ready. Like even if you don't do know it. what you're doing, you got to believe that you do. Yeah, and because if you, if, you, if you show confusion to like the patients or the nurses, that's gonna throw the whole team. Apart. It'll make them very uncomfortable. Yeah. You're absolutely right because they're like, well, why is this person doing this? He or she doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. And it starts with the student, just like you said. It starts from the bottom. It starts from us because we need to go home every day. And prep for our cases the next day. Read up on the presentations that we saw that day to see what better um, things we can understand about the uh, cute presentations we saw that day. So it starts with us and we come back in the next day um, more prepared, more eager to learn, you know, ready to go. It starts with us. It honestly does. It's There's a a nice saying. It's called... uh, What's it called? It's called you you get out what you put in. Exactly. And you put nothing in, you get nothing out. You can't um, expect to have a garden if you don't plant anything. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, that's beautiful. I never oh, heard that you. before. I actually like that. You you said you can't. You can't expect a garden to grow if you don't plant any seeds. And that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. That's you got to exactly put the right. effort in. Yeah. And I imagine you're putting in crazy long hours. Yeah. Because this is something. You're about, what, halfway done? You have three years of residency. Yeah. And then after that, you'll be a licensed doctor. Then I'll be a fully licensed attending. That is incredible. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank man. you, man. I appreciate it. It's a long road. Um, but it's going to be worth it. In the and end. it's very fulfilling, though. Yeah. Um, I've been through a year of rotations now. Mm-hmm. And... The amount of gratitude these patients have for even like students is phenomenal. They're like, "Thank you for helping me. You put me through a great. Uh, you put you took me through a terrible time, and you were there with me the whole yeah. time." And um, they're just really appreciative. And I think that's the most fulfilling thing that I got out of my rotation. That's awesome. Because um, that's what I went into it essentially for yeah. uh, for the patient for sure. to help people. Because um, they're coming to you in their most low state. You know, they don't know what's going on. They're scared. They think they might die. They need you to know. And they're looking yeah. at you and saying, help me. <laughs> and so I think that's... We need more most... doctors like you. That is incredible. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, and I appreciate that. And, yeah. you know, it starts with the doctors that came before me and the doctors that come after me. And, you know, that kind of segue into another point, if you don't mind. Yeah, is go for it. If I, you know, when I do become a physician... Um, I would like to be one of those preceptors, like the preceptor that we have here at this place yeah. and, and all the other preceptors that I've worked you with. You want to train other students. I want to train other students. That's, that's good. And kind of just give back, yeah. you know, keep it going. Because, you know, the preceptors don't have to do it. Exactly, yeah. Um, they, they volunteer to do it. To do they, it. Yeah, yeah they, they choose to do it, and, and they really care to teach. And, and I want to be like one of those preceptors who care to teach, you know, want to, you know, showcase – um, what they do and, yeah. and how they do it and the right way to do it. Because like you had said earlier, there is a doctor shortage. A lot of younger people yeah. 
feel a lot of trepidation about going into the medical field mm -hmm. because not so much the length of time. I think that used to be a factor, but I feel like the main factor now is the expenses. Yeah, it's. it's, it's I imagine so it's incredibly expensive. expensive. Yeah, it's incredibly expensive, and you know, it's not like undergrad where you can get a job while yeah. you're in school. I think some people maybe can handle it. But um, I feel like that'd be difficult because it'd be very especially if difficult. you're on call. Like, let's imagine you're at your part time shift at the Wendy's. You get a mm -hmm. call, hey, we got to go do open heart surgery. What are you going to do? Tell them they can't get their spicy uh, chicken sandwich? <laughs> oh, bring, right bring the patient to the Wendy's. We'll do it here. <laughs> I can't miss my seven bucks an hour. Exactly. Yeah, so it's tough. And so students end up pulling out loans and um, living off loans. And then, you know, eventually one day when you get into residency, you get a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, and then after that, when you're in 10, you get a little bit more money. And, but the road is long. If you think about it, you have to do four years of undergrad. And then your graduate program. You do your four years yeah. of medical school and then three years of residency. Minimum a, three years. 11 years, right? Is so that what, what am I doing four, now? Four, eight, three. Yeah, it's 11. 11 that years. That is crazy, man. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. you got to put some dedication You to need it. severe perseverance to get you through do. that. You yeah. do. And you have to have a passion for it. If it's if, just something, oh, if you can't go in and want to make money because then yeah. you'll fail. Yeah. That's, you know, and, and that's that's a good point you bring up because if you don't have a passion for it, then you're, you know, you're going to get annoyed of it. You're going to get tired of it. You're, you're going to get frustrated. Mm -hmm. You're going to become depressed because it's, it's a very, very, like, I don't know the word for it, but it's fast paced, I guess you can say. It's, all, right, it's it, intense. It, yeah, intense. Intense is the word. Just like camping, it's intense. Camp? Get it? Because of tent? Oh, tent. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you crazy. <laughs> I like that one, though. Um, but yeah, so if you don't have a passion for it, you're not going to wake up every day saying, all right, I'm ready to go. You're going to wake up saying, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and you know, it can reflect on your grades. And it can reflect on your performance and your rotations. Now, and your, your grades in medical school yeah. impact what residencies are willing to accept you. Is that they right? They can. Yeah. yeah, they can. Um, and also your uh, board scores. Okay. Yeah. Have yeah. you taken your uh, board test yet? Yes, I have taken. I took it. There's three levels. Okay. The first level you take after your first two years. Your second level you take after your third year, which I'm going to be preparing for now. And then you take your third level after the first year of residency and your board that you're taking this week mm -hmm. you're taking that tomorrow no, no no this that's just an end of rotation oh, okay. exam i take my actual board august 19th well you're gonna crush it I'm i about. hope so i'm confident man, man. and do you have to take it. the mcat too is that well yeah the mcat is um to get in and oh, so you already took the mcat yeah i already okay. took it it's called the medical college admissions test don't quote me on that but <laughs> i think that's <laughs> that seems like it might be right yeah yeah and um you take that during your undergrad years. Yeah. If you want to go straight in, you can take it whenever, really. But to but go straight in, you take it. Yeah, but you have to take it to be uh, eligible to apply yeah. to medical now, school. I'm curious, what was your major in undergrad? I chose biology with a concentration in molecular biology. Okay. Was yeah. there a time you thought you would go in that field, or was you were you always preparing to go? No, into I was school? always preparing yeah. to go to uh, medicine. Okay. Um, interesting thought, though, or interesting thing is that I had a. Uh, Almost went into accounting. Oh, really? After I graduated uh, um, from ECU in biology. Okay. Accounting. That's Account interesting. Yeah, it's That's interesting a completely story. different field. Yeah, it's completely different. Um, I just knew someone. Um, I used to volunteer at this one cat or rescue okay. organization. And the lady who was the director of the cat rescue organization 
was also the owner of her own accounting firm. And I started working at Harris Teeter at the time. Oh, so my volunteer hours ended up going down. Yeah. And she was like, hey, well, you know, your volunteer hours are going down. Why is that? And I was like, well, because I started working at Harris Teeter. Yeah. You know? And she's like, well, how about you come work for me? I said, what do you do? <laughs> she's like, well, I do accounting. I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And I ended up actually really liking it. Oh, yeah. And I think an important thing for if there's any medical students listening at all is it's good to have a good plan B. Medical school is very hard to get into. Um, it's very t- it's tough in general. Yeah. Um, and so if you are someone who are interested in medicine, I would recommend you having a plan B. My plan B was accounting. But you don't need that plan B anymore. You're set. I don't. I don't. I don't. But it's always good to have one because um, it took me two times to apply. Um, the before first time I you? Yeah, I applied right out of – or before I graduated, and I didn't get in anywhere. Um, and then that's when I really th- started thinking. I was was like, that discouraging? It was very discouraging. Yeah. Um, after all the hard work you put in through undergrad, it's like, mm-hmm. dang, like, it mm-hmm. must be ultra competitive because I thought I was yeah. a very competitive candidate. And I still didn't get in. Um, and it made me start thinking, like, man, like, if I don't get in, what am I going to do with my life? And, you know, I was working at the accounting firm at the time. And, and I was like, man, accounting, I really enjoyed. I know what I'm doing. I'm comfortable with doing it. So I'm like, why not, right? Yeah. Um, so then I was like, let me apply one more time to medical school. Um, I'll increase, like, I think I did more work in the hospital. I was like a scriber. I was a scribe for like a year. Oh, yeah. And I was like, let me just improve my um, experiences in the medical field, see if that can help me. And you got accepted the second time. And the second yeah. time I got accepted. And then I was like, well, I don't need the plan B anymore. Yeah. But it was very comforting, I guess you could to say. To have, like, something to, to fall have back something on. To fall in back case. on. Yeah. Um, and something you enjoy. Yeah. Uh, don't have a plan B just because you have to have one and you don't enjoy it. Have a plan B because that you, you enjoy can be okay it, with. Yeah. That you'll be okay with because you don't want to go to work every day saying, ah, oh, i got to go to work again. Yeah. yeah. The way, because that way, I feel like if you have a plan B or if you don't have one, you're going to be going into work, you're going to be going to med school filled with anxiety. Oh, I have to do yeah. this because I have nothing to fall back on. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And And because of that, Going back all the way back to when we started this podcast or this recording, um, when you're not comfortable, if you're you don't perform as well. You're exactly. nervous. You don't yeah. perform as well. Exactly. And that impacts other people, not only you. Yeah. And that's another thing we need to talk about: the mental health problem. Oh yeah. In this country, is not being addressed sufficiently. I agree. Because you have people depressed, filled with anxiety, going into their jobs, and they can't do anything about it, and yeah. that impacts their performance on their job. But it impacts so many people, it like diffuses throughout the people around them. They don't even realize it. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. Um, I don't know if you ever heard the quote. Um, I don't know why I'm quoting so much, man. But uh, it's like you're the average of the five people. Yes, I have heard of that. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of what it is. If you go into somewhere and you're anxious and the person next to you is anxious. Then you're going to pick up that you're anxiety. You're going to pick up that anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it's just like. Like just coming into the office. If everyone else is in a bad mood, that puts me in a bad mood. Exactly. Yeah, and I try to stay positive, but it's tough when everyone around you isn't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's it's hard. It's hard. But that's why it's kind of important to be that person to kind of, instead of spreading negativity or spreading that yeah. depression, you should be the one to spread the happiness. The, exactly. You know, the joy and things like that. But it's easier said than done. It is. It's, it's a challenge. No matter where you go. For it sure. is. Because no matter where you go, you don't know what anyone is going through. Yeah. And that's why I, well, I, 
segue to something else? Well, let me, let me say something. Okay. When I did my thesis in college, it's just about what you're talking about. You don't know what people are going through. Yeah. Mine was on Instagram. Okay. And how Instagram, if you're the more, it's a correlation that I researched. The more you're on Instagram, the higher likelihood that you will experience levels of depression. Because all you're seeing okay. is someone's highlight reel. You're just seeing the good moments. Oh, I just got a house. Oh, I just got this job I've been wanting my, my whole life. You're not seeing all the, the struggles. You're just seeing the highlight yeah. reel. And you're thinking to yourself, man, why can't I be him? Why can't I have that? Well, they're not posting about the struggle. They're just posting the highlights. That's true. That's you don't know really what funny. struggle they're going through. You don't know. They don't. You don't know what relationships they had to uh, to put on the back burner to get that job. Yeah, what sacrifices yeah. they made, mm -hmm. things like that. You don't. Like, you just see the outcome. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, like, I imagine when you become a doctor, people aren't going to see all the hard work that you put in. Yeah. They're just going to see, oh, cool, a doctor. I wish <laughs> I could be a doctor. <laughs> That's true, though. That's true. Um, some people don't really see. And, and the thing with that is, is that it's not a knock on anyone. It's just that, like, people look at, the Instagram post, I'm like, yeah. man, why do they have that? I don't have that. Or, you know, how did they get to do that? And I didn't get to do that. Everyone are in different positions in life, and you don't know what position they're in. Um, and truthfully, you don't even know if that's their new house, or that's their new car. They're just showing it just to show They could walk in front of some random house yeah. and be like, hey, my house. Exactly. <laughs> no one will know. No one will know. Hey, I want to segue into uh, what we got a few minutes left. Okay. What field you're going into, why you decided Ooh. to go into that field, what you love about it. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to choose internal medicine. Okay. Um, let me tell you why. Um, first of all, all the internal medicine, I did two inpatient and one outpatient in, in, internal medicine uh, rotations mm -hmm. this year. Um, and I enjoyed every single one of them. Uh, you see some very, very sick people, um, especially in inpatient. You don't see that many sick people in outpatient because they're, they're more stable. They're outpatient. Um, but the thing I really loved about it was the variety of presentations that you see. You don't just see one thing. You see all kinds of things. You're dealing with all the body systems. I mean, it takes a, a special brain, I guess you can say, yeah. to um, really understand what's going on, um, how they're all integrated together, and what you can do as a physician to fix that issue uh, using the knowledge that you have based on the, the you know, the school you had or whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. Um, and so seeing the variety of presentations is kind of what drew me to internal medicine because you will never get bored of it. Okay. You'll always see different kinds of things coming through that door. You'll see all kinds of presentations, all kinds of sick people. And that's why it's like, I don't think I can get bored of this. Yeah. So I'm going to go with this route. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Now describe uh, internal medicine a bit. Like what are you dealing with? Okay, so it's, you can do both inpatient, outpatient. Yeah. I'll start with the outpatient first. Um, as an internist, you're only dealing with adults, for, or not yet with adults. On um, family med, you'll see more children, more children and, and adolescents. Yeah. Uh, adolescents, true, and adults. Okay. Um, so internal is, in a sense, general practitioner okay. as outpatient, just like your family med. So someone will come to you and be like, I have a stomach ache. Or... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so you can get that aspect of outpatient as internist. But the cool thing about internal medicine is you can also do inpatient. You can be a hospitalist. And basically a hospitalist is basically someone who takes care of all the patients in the hospital on the general floor. Okay. Um, and you see some of the sickest people. Um, they're a lot more sick than the people you see outpatient. Um, and whatever comes through the door, you know, you can have a GI bleed, kidney failure, um, COPD exacerbations. 
uh, congestive heart failure exacerbations. You got to be ready for anything. You got to. You got to be, be on your toes, man. Absolutely. You could be just drinking your morning coffee, and then oh, uh, we have a man with uh, internal hemorrhaging coming yeah. through the door. Yeah, admit them. Take That's, care I of respect them. that. You got to be like super on top of things. You That's got pretty to. cool. You got to. Yeah. yeah. So. That's kind of what kind of drew me into it, and and so that's that's why I want to do it. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, Amar, it was great chatting with you. This is going to be a bit of a shorter episode for the podcast. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Not really. I just want to thank you for letting me on the podcast yeah, today. I appreciate it. We had a very good conversation. I really enjoyed chatting with you. It was great. Thank you so much to the listeners. Thank you again to uh, future Dr. Amar. I'm really rooting for you. You're going to get there, no problem. Thank just you, man. Remember us, little people. <laughs> When you become a successful doctor, uh, I'll, I'll point it. I'll save this podcast. Yeah. Uh, be like, look, I got to meet Dr. Amar. So. Uh, I appreciate that, man. That means a lot, and I appreciate you letting me on the podcast. All right. Signing off, everyone. Goodbye.